0: What's up, my Impact Theory family? It's Tom Billu, and I want to take a moment to express my heartfelt gratitude to you guys, our incredible listeners. Your support, your feedback, your unwavering commitment to your own growth inspires and drives us every day. And I want you guys to know how important you are to all of us here, especially me. And for those voracious listeners, you know who you are, I've got something really exciting to share with you. If you're truly dedicated to achieving greatness, check out the Extra Impact subscription channel exclusively on Apple Podcasts and Supercast. With the extra Impact subscription, you'll get all new episodes delivered ad-free, exclusive access to bonus content, including keynote speeches, AMAs, weekly motivation, and previously unreleased episodes. And you'll also have subscriber-only access to five additional podcast playlists with hundreds of archived Impact Theory episodes curated into themes to help you streamline your transformation journey. So if you're ready to take your personal growth journey to the next level, head over to Apple Podcasts, Supercast, or check the links in the show notes and subscribe to the Extra Impact subscription. It's your key to unlocking the greatness within you. Thank you guys again so much for being a part of this incredible community. Remember, the world needs more people that have come alive, double down on your own improvement, and you will be shocked at how far you can go.
1: Date now on Bumble.
2: What's up, everybody? What you're about to listen to is me on Women of Impact. This is the first ever time that they've had a guy on the show, and Lisa and I had an amazing time recording this. We cover all kinds of topics, including how to make your relationship amazing, how to work with your partner, communication, sex, the whole nine, so be sure to check this out.
1: I think it's safe to say almost universally that every single human on the planet wants to be in love that heart fluttering stomach churning heads in the clouds i can't believe it kind of love i mean disney has made billions of dollars selling the fairy tale of happily ever after we spend close to 20 billion dollars for valentine's day to show our love for each other i mean there's even a drive-through chapel in vegas that has got in on the love action where there's a demand there's a supply and yet Despite the fact that we all love to be in love, we still find ourselves with an approximate 50% divorce rate. And that's just data on people that chose to break up. Let's not forget the couples that agree to stay together out of convenience or for the sake of the kids, or the couples that are living in quiet desperation, or the couples that are suffering from bed death. Now, I've been married for close to 18 years, and I'm here to declare it's freaking hard. No matter what Hollywood may try and tell us, Arguments are not solved with a romantic slow motion kiss in the rain, or by molding a clay pot while an orchestra plays overhead. It takes a willingness to take a hard look at yourself. To stare nakedly at your inadequacies, admit when you are wrong, and be willing to change. Be willing to communicate. Be willing to open yourself up to being vulnerable. You must be willing to give, to receive, and to compromise. So today I wanted to do a different kind of episode. I believe beyond anything else, knowledge is power. And so I wanted to bring on a guest who can give us tips, tactics, and their own perspective on what it actually takes. Like, no BS, what it actually takes to have a happy relationship. To give a perspective that my own estrogen eyes may not otherwise see. To enlighten us with a viewpoint that we may not otherwise understand. The more we know and understand about relationship dynamics, pitfalls, hurdles, and conflicts, the better we can be at navigating those river rapids. And in my opinion, there is only one person on this whole planet that can do that. So please help me in welcoming today's in-flight entertainment, the pilot to my plane, the yin to my yang, the mister to my missus, and the half to my whole, the love of my life, my hubby, Mr. Tom Billu maybe i got a little emotional at the end of reading that that was very sweet welcome to the show thank you your first man on the show wanted to do a very special episode for valentine's day and it's just i've had 18 years of marriage with you and the lessons that we've learned along the way have just been so um empowering and like enlightening but i can only talk from my point of view so i was like you actually make the perfect guest so i want to welcome you And then also, I want to start with one of the things that you have always said is like the base and foundation to relationships. Selection matters. So that's where I want to start. Um, Talk to me about selection matters, what you mean by that.
0: So (laughs) this is, (laughs) I feel so bad because for a long time, it didn't dawn on me how important it was. And I just thought that I was like king shit at relationships. (laughs) Um, And then I really started to think about the way that you are in the relationship and how would I be able to um, apply the things that I'm learning from reading books and all of that stuff about how to make a relationship work if you weren't so adept at um, one, just being good at communicating, two, you're so good at letting things go and realizing how much grace you were giving me in the relationship to make mistakes, to try things that didn't necessarily work or to just be plain young and stupid, I don't remember when it hit me, but I remember how it felt when I was like, wait a second. If I didn't have that, then all of the knowledge and tools and tactics wouldn't go anywhere. If you didn't have a growth mindset as well, then this would really be sort of dead in the water. And it really made me start to reflect on how much of this is actually that I have tools and tactics and how much of this is that I just really chose wisely. Um, and really began to realize you need both for sure. You need the tools, you need the tactics, you need communication, the hard work that you were talking about in the intro. All of that's real. But you really need to pick somebody that has certain sort of objective universal characteristics, like um, either already a growth mindset or a willingness to pursue it. I mean, we got together so young, and I don't think either I know neither of us had a growth mindset, um, but we understood very early on that you either grow together or you grow apart. Uh, so we put equal energy into improving. And then there are things that are specific to you. There are certain things you're going to like, not like, Um, the fact that we're not both, you know, just sort of alphas banging our heads together, that we found a nice yin-yang balance like you were talking about.
1: What do you think then about the yin and the yang? Because this is a question that I get asked a lot. People are surprised that we're actually very different. Mm. Um, But sometimes I actually think that being too different can also be detrimental to the relationship. And for me and you, we talk very heavily on values. So when we first got together, talking about the values to our core, because even though we're different in personalities, I actually haven't found that that's been a problem. Well, it It creates all of the issues in our marriage, 100%. Yeah, you're right.
0: But you're absolutely correct about that narrow band of different but not too different
1: yeah where do you think that fine line is
0: so i think that that you have personality uh what i'll call the combination of inbred traits just the way that you are your default orientation i don't think you've done anything over your life to um have the the default personality type that you have nor do I feel like I've done anything for mine but the values were added on so your personality types I think are a yin yang your values though I think need to Mm -hmm. be very similar deadly similar because if you really clash on something super important and we talk about this it's like when you when you're arguing arguing and arguing you may have a base assumption misalignment and it's like oh you think things are one way, I think things are another way. But once I understand your base assumption, oh, you think, you know, X, Y, Z, then it's like, okay, well, it's not a value. Now I understand where you're coming from that perspective. I can adopt it easily. But if it comes down to, yo, we now understand what the base assumptions are. And I still think you're crazy because now we're talking about a value, the way things ought to be. And Once you get to the way things ought to be and you have a collision there, so I understand your position, you understand mine, but I think you're crazy and you think I'm crazy, that's where it gets dangerous. You can have some, you will have some, but oh, if you have too many and you don't know how to navigate or compartmentalize or say, hey, cool, like we'll put that on the back burner, uh, you're gonna have a real problem.
1: Yeah, Because I remember when we first met, One of the things that almost everybody universally told me that I knew was like... I know where this goes. You don't normally go after somebody like that. He's He's, not your type. He's not your type. He's very different. And that was because I was brought up in North London around a Greek and Turkish community. And so that was who I was around. That's who I dated. Mm. Um, But everybody... So when I had said I had met this guy and you had met my friends for the first time, a lot of people were like, he's so different from you. Like... how can you guys relate so when Mm. you even went to my dad and asked for his blessing um, to marry me and he said no a big part of his argument was you guys come from different worlds right you come from america i come from a very traditional greek family in england so our religions are completely you weren't even christened i came from a greek orthodox background Mm. and so when i hear people talking about this type of thing from the surface it may seem You guys will never last. Like, how are you ever going to agree on things? But I always went back to, but I know who you are. Like, your core values as a person, you treat people well. You treated me well. You showed love and respect to my family. You always give me respect. You never try and shut me down. So, like, to me, that's what's important. It's not about where you come from or whether you have the same religious background or if you at least for me, I will right. say, it didn't make a difference. It was like, are you a good person? Are you a good human being? Are you gonna treat me well? So I assessed what my values were and then looked at yours and saw how they aligned well. Mm-hmm. But from the outside, I think people can just look at how you were brought up and that dictates who you are, but I actually don't agree with that.
0: It, it can play out badly, there's no question. Like, so one, uh, in a lot of things in our relationship, one of us is devoid of opinion and the other feels very strongly. So um, I wasn't religious at all. And when we thought we were going to have kids, you were like, look, our kids are going to be christened in the church. I had to get um, baptized to marry you in a Greek church. So if I had had very strong religious convictions in a different direction, that would have been problematic.
1: But you did in a sense of like, you were saying, I don't believe in God and here I, didn't I believe, was saying- believe, but I
0: wasn't giving anything up in order to get baptized. So it was like all of the traditions and all of that stuff, which are wrapped around it. I didn't have any. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yes, I wasn't converting emotionally. I was doing it in order to, Um, give you what you wanted, to be able to get married in the church and all of that. But it was easy because I didn't feel like I was giving anything up. Like if I had had another, if I was devout in another direction, that might have been a sticking point for me. Mm -hmm. Because then I would have said, okay, well sure, I'll do it to get married, but like I don't want to raise our kids in that religion. I want to raise them in this religion. So I think there are times where you can't BS yourself. Your dad wasn't like barking up the wrong tree. He just didn't understand us well enough to know sort of where we were like you weren't actually doggedly religious and so we sort of found an equilibrium there we both have a sense of awe we both know there's something bigger than ourselves um, and at this point neither of us sort of think of that in a traditional religious sense so that was easy to overcome because I didn't have any um, you know, trappings of religion that I felt like I was turning my back on in order to get baptized that was easy to overcome um, we both wanted to be around our families, so navigating things like that, it was like, of course you're going to want to be around your family. And you were like, of course I'm going to want to be around my family. So we would fly back and forth every holiday, even when we were poor, and it was like painful, and we had to take the world's cheapest flights and do crazy layovers, and we would still go see both families at at uh, Christmas time. So it was like, there was no argument there. There was no like, you know, why would we do that? And you right. weren't saying, well, we just saw your family at Thanksgiving. Like, mm-hmm. why can't we do Christmas at mine? Like, we... We saw things so similarly that it just became easy to sort of, from a place of, like you're saying, mutual respect, it was easy to be like, yeah, I get why that would be important to you. So between sort of these, you feel strongly on something and I am i don't feel strongly, I feel strongly on something, you don't feel strongly, mm-hmm. or then we shared things where we could give that mutual respect and understanding, It it's worked out. And the thing that scares me about it is how much of that we didn't really have the knowledge to like put a finger on it when we fell in love.
1: We didn't, but we always said to each other, we'd communicate. And from the beginning, I think you have to establish communication with your partner, even when you have to say the hard things. Because the amount of things that we've had to communicate and they've been hard. Sure. Um, so that's actually one thing I really want to go deep on. And the other thing I actually want to talk about, just as you'd mentioned it, is not trying to change each other. So at the time I was I was religious. It wasn't that sure. I was like pushing it on people, but I absolutely believed in God, very, you know, traditional. And um, christened, and I really want to get married in a Greek church. So, when I came to you and I asked you, and I said, Hey, I really like this is important. So, language, yeah. I said, This is important. I want to get married in a Greek church. We had the communication where you said, okay because it's important to you that's fine but i need you to know this does not make me believe in god i'm not going to change my belief system you had articulated all of that right from the beginning and i didn't try and change you i didn't try and convince you to believe in god i didn't try and convince you to join my religion and to believe in it i was like okay if that's who you are i respect that now if i tried to change that i think that would have been a very difficult I don't know if we would have been able to last because it would have been a fundamental difference in seeing the world and our beliefs.
0: It's really interesting because you're right, that would have been a really dangerous one to try to change. Um, But I would say that I don't even know who I am without you. And when I think about how young we were when we got together and how much we've shaped each other through reward and punishment, simple as, it's like I would be a very different person. And I like that. Like I don't, I don't have an interest in trying to extract who I would be if I didn't know you any more than I would try to extract myself from the other people who have contributed so meaningfully to my beliefs and to my values. And um, you know, being in a, a, a culture, even that, if that's a company, like all that stuff really shapes you. So I'm, I'm very grateful for the contributions that you've made to who I am. So we, we very much have shaped each other, I would say with a high degree of intention.
1: But don't you think there's a difference between change or an influence? Like, I don't know, I've I feel like you, to there, there's you. such
0: a, a common um, stigma around saying you don't want to change somebody. And trust me, if you go into a relationship saying, oh, they're like this now, but I'm going to change them, you, you're fucked. You are done. That is going to end in absolute catastrophe but now I'm going to hold two competing ideas in my head because the other side of that is, yes, that's very true, but as I get into a relationship and go, ooh, when you do that, it really, like, it doesn't sit well with me. That's not something I can be involved in long term. Then you do set out to shape each other. Now, the one agreement that we had in the beginning was, I don't, we don't have a better word for this, maybe just influence, but it doesn't sound quite truthful. So the word we used was manipulate. I'm going to manipulate you. And we talked about this. I'm going to manipulate you. You're going to manipulate me. The only thing I promised you was I'll never do it without telling you exactly what I'm doing. So it became very easy where it was like, you know, if we wanted a change, like, um, you know, be healthier, exercise more. Uh- this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. If you've got a lot of great ideas inside of you that could literally change the world, but you're keeping them locked away out of doubt or fear of failure, please listen up. Within you is a unique blend of ideas, dreams, and passions that no one else possesses. And it's time to take action on them and put them out into the world with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it simple and straightforward to create a website, engage with your audience, and sell your ideas with their all-in-one website platform. Easily customize Squarespace templates so your website stands out and makes an impact and get insights into your website and email performance with built-in analytics so you can be constantly improving your site, sales, and strategies to reach your goals. And I hope those goals are aggressive. I'm telling you guys, you can take action today, not next week or next month or next quarter, today. And get your ideas out there with Squarespace. That's how you get into the physics of progress and get better. So head over right now to squarespace.com/impact for a free 14-day trial and 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain again that's squarespace.com/impact please do not die with these ideas inside of you get out there put them to the test go to squarespace.com/impact Whenever somebody asks me my tips for scaling a business, I always tell them focus on efficiency, because if you don't, you're going to waste a lot of time and money spinning your wheels instead of making smart choices that will lead you to actually being able to grow. That's why I recommend you check out Shopify, which has everything you need to efficiently grow your business and take it to the next level. Every time I talk about Shopify, I'm so jealous that you guys have this all-in-one ready solution at your fingertips. It is so helpful. Shopify is a global commerce platform that makes it easy to sell online and in person at any and every stage of your business. Literally, wherever, whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered, just like the millions of businesses that rely on them every day. And Shopify's award-winning customer support is there to help you every step of the way. Plus, you get access to Shopify Magic, the AI-powered tool that will save you so much time and give you a huge leg up in growing your business. And with Shopify's super-efficient checkout process, which performs 36% better than competitors, you are primed for more sales just by using Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com dot com slash impact right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify dot com slash impact. Push yourself in business. I was so lazy in the beginning and you were very direct about, hey, you promised me that you were ambitious. You promised me that you were really going to take a swing at this, um, but you're laying in bed for four and five hours a day. Like you were very clearly encouraging me, pushing me, both on a reward front and on a punishment front. So when I did something that was in alignment with what I had told you I was going to do with my life, that was going to push and propel us forward, you were just beyond encouraging and it was so warm and so lovely. But then if I was being a lazy fuck, like you weren't afraid to be like, yo, what's going on? You didn't make me feel badly about myself, you were never talking down to me, like I don't want people to get the wrong idea, but it is reward and punishment for sure. So, and it's been one of the most amazing guiding forces in our lives.
1: Yeah, um, because I've been with you for so long, it's really hard to see how the outside world is interpreting you. I totally, right, we use the same language. Yes, reward and punishment, manipulate, because we know what we mean. Yeah, people are freaking the fuck out right now. So language matters, and let's talk about that in our relationship, where we've had to define the language that we use so that we understand each other in the way that is meant, because the amount of times, especially early on in our relationship, you'd say one thing, I'd fly off the handle, and you're like, that that wasn't what I meant. I'm like, yeah, but you use this word, and for me, this word means X, Y, and Z. And so we had to have that communication and understanding how to influence each other with the goal that we have in mind. Um, talk to me about the words that we use and how we develop them. That's and-
0: really interesting. We could literally derail on this and do a whole podcast just about this because I think people are are way too caught up in um, you know what words are acceptable, what you can and can't say. And my whole thing is, A, don't ever be um so sensitive that you can't go yeah that word hits me funny or whatever but i want to stop and really understand this and i've never understood people that are interested in throwing up a roadblock and saying i'm no longer going to listen to you because you said xyz and I'm not interested in shutting people down. I'm not even interested in trying to prove something to them. I want to understand their position and see if there's something usable in that for me so that I can put it into my own worldview. And it was very easy for us to say, ah, first of all, we're in our 20s. We don't have a better word to manipulate, but I don't mean anything sinister by it. So let's just talk openly about what this is. It's like we have a shared vision. We know what we're trying to accomplish in our life. Um, the only word that I know is manipulate, but Hey, it has these really weird connotations. And I promise I don't mean any of that. Like, so are you with me? Do you understand where I'm going? And then my thing is you earn trust with people over time. Like the number of times, and this, this is critical. If you're in a relationship and you weaponize the knowledge that you have about that person against them, you know, my every insecurity. I mean, the fucking really weird nuanced ones. In 19 years of being together, you've never weaponized anything against me. Not something that I said in the past. You don't do the like bringing something up from a past argument. You don't do any of that shit. And it would be so easy for you because your mind is like a steel trap. It fucking terrifies me. (laughs) And you remember all of that stuff. Like for me, I'm gonna fucking forget it anyway. So, but I mean, I know your insecurities well enough. I could certainly weaponize them against you, but I don't want to. Like I don't even have the desire or the inclination. It's like I could end this argument. I could drop her to a bag of sobbing rubble if I just said this one thing. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in doing that. It's like, it's so terrifying to think how fragile trust really is that it only takes one gnarly comment that was aimed to be cruel and you can really do a lot of damage. So we had earned all that trust. So by the time we're talking about stuff like that, it's like we've already been together for a while. There's a lot of trust built up. It's it's so important to, to treat people kindly and to make them feel better about themselves when they're around you.
1: Yeah, and we're so um used to each other and each other's language that even when I know you're trying to move me, let's say, and I even say to you like, "I see what you're doing there, Billy. Well, it's a good strategy. It's working." 100%. And so I'll give you the credit for the strategy because that's the one thing no one ever wants to feel like they're being secretly manipulated Correct. to their advantage, Correct. the other person's advantage. That,
0: and that, that is super important. But now, the thing that I've heard people say, and I don't remember who said this first, but um, manipulation is moving somebody to your advantage and influence is moving them to their advantage. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, I would say that we always moved each other to mutual advantage. It was always about the relationship.
1: But even the language we use with each other, so we have like, for instance, a word that we say that, which is important. I say the word important to you maybe two or three times a year, right. you say it back to me. Um, that word for us, we have both come together to define and say this word means that no matter what's happening, you drop what you're doing. And so if you're with the President of the United States and I say, hey, I need you, it's important, it means that you're gonna drop it. but. At the same time, I have to um, acknowledge that I can't abuse that word. So those are kind of little tools and tips and tricks that we have done to communicate because we never want the boy that cried wolf, right? Where it's like, let's say I'm feeling down or I'm upset or something's happened. I don't ever want to keep calling on you and then when I really freaking need you and then you're busy and you're like, I just don't have time. So we've really defined that word and what that means to us. Another thing which I want to go deep into is defining roles. This has been massive for us because I feel like, especially my role in the relationship has absolutely changed from the time Mm -hmm. we were going to get married to where we are now. So talk to me about what you feel, or like actually you were the one that came up with the phrase defining roles.
0: Yeah, so I think that it's really been a fascinating journey going from I was going to work, and be the provider and you were going to take care of the home and the kids um, and then no longer thinking about having kids and then going in and founding a company together. It's been, it's been really incredible. So in the beginning, I, I'll say that we had sort of a blunt force trauma view of it. So I had always thought of the alpha is good and powerful and the beta is sort of weak and subservient. Um, and we saw this documentary about wolves and the beta was bigger and stronger and was just a fucking beast. The alpha was the decision maker. Um, so we had always talked I was the alpha, you were the beta with that understanding in mind. You're not weak, you're not subservient at all. It's a partnership and we just have different roles. Neither role is better than the other. They're just different. And once you understand like where someone sort of naturally gravitates to, then it's like you can own. Because a big struggle for me in the beginning was I felt for you to find me sexually attractive, that I had to be better than you at everything. And that if I wasn't, that you would think I was weak and you wouldn't be attracted to me anymore. And I remember I had this breakthrough that came from this movie I'd watched as a little kid called Daryl. Uh, It was about this Android kid. And he realizes that his mom feels um, useless because He's perfect. He doesn't need anything. He's AI. So it's like he he doesn't have needs or anything. And so the mom just feels completely um, unnecessary. And that's really devastating for her. So he realizes, oh, I actually, it's it would be good for me to be imperfect. And so I finally had that realization with you where it's like, wait a second, Daryl had it right all this time. And me trying to be better than you at everything is creating all this stress. It makes me look like a dumbass. It just is really stupid. And I thought, whoever would want to be worse at everything than the person that they're with so that the other person is always better at everything. That would be a fucking miserable existence. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's really be honest. There are definitely things that you're better at than I am. And the weird thing is there are many traditionally male things. Mm-hmm. So um, logistics, um, spatial orientation, systems. It's like all things that I'm just uniquely terrible at, you're really good with. And so it was. it was sort of jarring to be like, wait, these are supposed to be the things that I'm good at. I'm not. You really are gifted. And then once I started saying, you're better at this than I am, and then we began to go, okay, well, here's where Lisa's better. Here's where you're better. And I'll hear you out. You hear me out. But basically, this is your domain. You make the decision. This is my domain. I'll make the decision. So using business terms, um, you've got the visionary and you've got the integrator. And that, I think, is is very powerful for people to understand sort of at a high level, like where are you, even if it's just with a family dynamic. You know, where are you, who's good at what, what are your areas of expertise, when are you going to say, okay, this is where you really shine, when are you gonna say this is where I really shine, and you wanna uncover every rock to find places where your partner is amazing, and you wanna celebrate them for that, and you wanna make sure that they know that they're rad there, you wanna make sure that you carve out the space for them to be awesome there, because it's gonna make them feel good. Mm. And it's one of the key ways to be in a relationship and make that person feel better about themselves when they're around you is to understand that leadership is fluid, and there are going to be times where I'm leading, there's going to be times when you're leading. And that if you can follow into being a follower as rapidly as you take the leadership role, it just feels rad. And when you're doing it in a way that makes sense, meaning I'm going to follow you when you're the right person to lead, and you're going to follow me when I'm the right person to lead. Um, it, It gets pretty interesting.
1: Mm. Yeah, I remember very early on us having that discussion. um, And initially, when we were talking about roles, it was definitely more traditional about you're going to go out and work, I'm going to stay home, I'll cook, I'll clean, I'll take care of the bills, and we had a plan. It was we were going to make enough money so that we could um, make our own movies. But we had definitely defined those roles, and over time, you had. Gone into entrepreneurship you were really deep in that and i was basically a stay-at-home wife and i was not enjoying it and over time it started to really weigh on me um and i started to realize that i was changing so as we started quest i was changing i started to realize oh my god i actually love this business side of things and it really scared me because i felt like there's this part that was really i was really enjoying but I didn't want to let you down and I didn't want to go back on my word. I felt like we had made an agreement and this is kind of almost showing that I didn't have a growth mindset back then because right now I'd be like, yeah, well, of course I'm growing, so this is the new me. But back then I didn't realize it and I didn't think of it like that. And so I felt terrified to talk to you, to tell you how much I love this other side of things and how I no longer wanted to be a stay-at-home wife. I no longer wanted to take care of you. Now, that didn't mean I didn't love you but I didn't want to take care of you. I didn't want to cook for you all the time. I didn't want to put your clothes out. And I wasn't sure how you would react to that. Like, am I the person going back on the agreement? Am I, um, you know, not bringing my half to the whole? You are for sure. You're going out every day and you're working hard. And the last thing I wanted was um, for you to think that I was just taking that for granted. But there was a lot of emotion in, like, that went on for me. And so I had to finally sit you down and talk to you and just be honest. And you basically said, like, who doesn't want their clothes put out for them? Who doesn't want to be Mm. cooked for them? It's freaking amazing. It's rad. Why would I not want that? Um, But the only thing that I would want even more is to see you happy. And so if that means that I have to stop having my food, you know, cooked and stuff like that, then so be it, because your happiness is the the thing that I seek for the most. But you need to give me time to mourn. Mm. And that was so powerful. Can you explain what you mean by that and why that was important
0: yeah so as a kid i dreamed i'll be the provider which made me feel very powerful and, and i i don't i don't advise anyone to take for granted how powerful that is now typically for a guy but not always um but for a guy as, as a you know looking at the bell curve sort of right in the middle i would say most guys that gives them this sense of like pride and purpose and meaning which do not overlook that. You, you have to process through it at a minimum. You don't have to accept it, but you have to understand it. And so that's always what I wanted. I wanted more than anything to be able to work so that you could stay at home, not realizing that that would not be fulfilling for you. But I didn't even understand fulfillment at the time. So I get that. You're taking care of me. You're really allowing me to build the business. And I suddenly had this real like heartbreak for people who the husband and wife choose, the husband goes and works, the wife doesn't, they end up getting divorced, and the wife's like, what the fuck? We had always agreed that I was gonna help you build your career, and now I'm having to start over. And I had this real sense of like, yo, I could not do what I'm doing. I couldn't work as hard or be as focused if you weren't facilitating my life, which is why I always said you were the CEO of Bill U Enterprises. It's like you were making sure that I was able to go do all of the things that I wanted to do, kept the house in order. It was like, you would tell me where to be, when are we doing what and all that. And that was incredibly, incredibly valuable. So to me, it was like, Hey, this is working. This is amazing. Um, Not yet understanding you're not being fulfilled. I see you start to take off all the things that you were doing before they stop getting done. There's a little sense of like, Oh, whoa, like that meaning and purpose that I had before it's, it's not making sense anymore and so now i'm losing connection to what i thought was my role and i'm losing you know some very amazing perks of being in this relationship and i need a red hot minute to to get through that and so i thought that i was like You know, I'm not being as like, yeah, fuck yeah, like do what you want, do your thing. And so I needed that second to reorient.
1: What did that process look like in your mind to reorient? It was
0: entirely the phrase, there would be nothing more, um, nothing would shatter my own values faster than not wanting you to be exactly what you want to be and supporting you every step of the way. So it was like, yes, you feel some kind of way about losing something that you had, both the vision and just... Like you said it's rad to have somebody who's looking after you 24 7 it's fucking amazing and so yes you're losing that and yes it doesn't feel good and anybody that would ask you to be like this is awesome um it's just not being realistic but at the same time like at, at the absolute core of my being is i want you to be happy but like fulfilled happy at like the deepest core part of your soul and whatever room we have to make in the relationship for that to happen then we need to do it and we need to do it immediately and and that to me man that's just like if you want your relationship to succeed in the long run you really do have to put the the bond the pair as the the primary importance, right? You can't pretend you don't have your wants and needs, but you also can't pretend that the other person doesn't have theirs, and they are of equal importance. Like, no matter, because at the time, I was the breadwinner, for sure. And so there was no, like, well, you're the breadwinner, she should take the back seat. It's like, no, motherfucker, like, whatever you're doing, half that shit is hers, she has earned it, so whatever you guys have, um, you need to make that space. And I really, 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 really believe and view us as equals. So when we founded Impact Theory, I told the lawyer, make it the ultimate divorce nightmare. Cause they were like, uh, one of you should be 51%. The other should be 49. And you even said, you'd be 51%. Like it's not a problem. And I was like, absolutely not under no circumstances. Make it the ultimate divorce nightmare. We are 50, 50 equal. If we deadlock, that's fucking it. And I bet on our ability to navigate that.
1: And I love that. And most people probably watching and listening don't have a business together like ours, but the core of what you're saying, I think is so important, whether it's in a business or just in your personal life, it needs to be seen as 50s 50 all along the way. And you both have to come into agreement about what that looks like, because it could have been a moment that we would have broken up. Like if I had turned to you and said, I don't want to be a stay at home wife anymore. I want to go into business. Mm-hmm. I want to find my own path. And you like, disagreed or you said, yeah, but babe, but you had said, I think I probably may have relinquished looking back now. Like if you're like, but babe, like, but we're gonna have a family. Like, aren't you oh, gonna, that would have been the death of us, right. right? Maybe not immediately, maybe a year, two, three years down the road. But the fact that you were so open to giving me the space to, for me to become who I am and who yeah. I'm growing into be, like that's so important. And I do the same with you. Even though I knew you're always ambitious and you always have big dreams, it's making sure I'm always giving you the space to be able to do that, um, and not feel like you're asking me for permission. But, um, but definitely the buy-in. Um, because we've been together for so long and we've even been talking about the stages of our relationship, I really want to talk about um, loving each phase for what it is. Mm. Because anybody listening right now, if they're in a relationship, they're at some sort of phase, whether it's the beginning, the middle, they've been for a long time. And this has been one thing that we talk very openly about because I remember being somewhat worried as a woman, that like, hey, my age isn't, what is the phrase? The women's um, social currency diminishes because- Their as, sexual
0: market value okay. diminishes over time, whereas the guys go up.
1: Because the men are, men are valued, valued for, for resources, resource.
0: access to resources, women are valued for beauty, and yeah, so this is what it is.
1: It's that, as a woman, that freaking sucks. The older I get, the less likely I am to be attracted to other, uh, other people to be attracted to me, but yet you, as you get older, you get wiser. Obviously, you've become extremely successful and way, you know, very financially secure. You're getting more appealing to people. Um, so let's talk about how we've had to process that.
0: The, this was something I will give myself a, a lot of credit for from the fucking jump. I'm talking from being a teenager. I was like, ooh, that is, that's a gnarly dynamic. And as I got older, I was able to couple on top of that the realization that I don't think monogamy is a default position, but it's like we're sort of in the middle where for sure we can do monogamy and not a big deal, but we also can do the other side where um, you know, we can be promiscuous. So it was like, okay, I get that. I also get that if you're gonna be in a relationship with somebody, commitment is a big part of it. And it was important to me to let you know, look, you're young and you're hot right now. I am well aware that you're gonna become a bag of bones and you're gonna be just skin and wrinkles, and it's gonna be gnarly, and so am I, by the way, and I'm okay with that. Like, I get where we're going. I'm going to enjoy this phase. While you have your looks, holy hell, I'm going to really enjoy them. But I want you to understand, that's not why we're together. So we are together because we're sharing a life, and I believe to the core of my existence, and anybody that wants to take the Pepsi challenge in this, I will say, open your soul up to this truth. There is nothing, nothing better in life than shared experience. It's the only thing it can't be, you you can never rush it. So we have grown up together. And I wanted to literally on our first date, Like, let you know, and it wasn't like I was trying to play a game. The topic came up, and I'd already thought a lot about this, where it's like, okay, here's the truth of being a man and a woman. You're always going to find somebody else attractive. I'm always going to find somebody else attractive. Commitment is about... You
1: said that on our first date, and I remember that was the biggest thing. I was like, wow, I love how honest he is.
0: It was, it's so weird to me that people tell each other, like... Oh, my God, if you find that person attractive, like, and they flip their shit and they're going crazy because the waitress is good looking and they think their husband, I like, glanced or whatever. I
1: told my ex that I liked Brad like, Pitt and we, it was, like, one of the biggest arguments we ever had because yeah, I mentioned his abs.
0: This is crazy. And so I was, like, of course you're going to find Brad Pitt attractive with the abs. This is, like, right around Fight Club. I was, like, fuck, I thought he was attractive. <laughs> like, if I could reach in the screen and pull those abs on for myself, I would do it in a heartbeat. So I was, like, look. I'm gonna find other people attractive. Don't be fucking weirded out by that because I'm gonna commit to somebody and regardless of the fact that I find other people attractive, I'm gonna be into you. I wanna share a life with that person. To me that's, it's, I didn't have the words back then, but it's anti-fragile. If the only reason that person is with you is because they only have eyes for you, talk about the world's most fragile position. The second you're not in shape or you're, you have the flu and you look like 10 pounds of ass or you get older, it's like, yo, what is this like for me? what if we lost all the money? Would that mean that you no longer wanna be with me? So it's another fragile position. It's like, I just didn't wanna be there. Mm. So it seemed very clear to me, there's a difference between attraction and commitment. And so when you're in the beginning of a relationship, and they've done the neuroscience on this, you cannot tell the difference between someone who's had a bump of cocaine and someone who's looking at the photo of somebody that they've newly fallen in love with. It's all consuming. It is a rad feeling. It is super fun. I enjoyed every second of it while we were in that phase, But it's like, you don't need to read a lot of books on neuroscience to realize, oh, this is going to change. And because by then I'd become obsessed with reading about the brain, I already knew, hey, this is going to change. The way that we feel about each other, the neurochemistry, it's going to be a different cocktail in a year or two years or whatever. And how many people have to make a joke about the honeymoon phase is over before you go, what is the honeymoon phase? What is beyond that? How does a relationship thrive beyond that? So that was my obsession in my early twenties was really like figuring that out. So anyway, I'd hit you with that early on. You're going to turn into a bag of bones one day, but I need you to know, like, I will find a way to connect with you physically, you know, as we age. And part of that is just my obsession with that shared experience.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the, the brain chemistry in that first time, uh, that first period, because so many people I, um, that I've spoken to, friends and stuff, it's always a year or two years down the line where they've just gotten used to each other. That electricity that you first felt, you don't have that anymore, so then it just becomes a live every day as is. But it was me and you, it was always, we, we don't ever wanna take each other for granted, and if I can be 100% honest, Right. At the beginning, of course, we just can't keep your hand, our hands off each other, right? Mm. It's like literally all we can think about is, you know, finding some time alone. And I think I may have worried, is he not into me anymore? More. Is he not attracted to me anymore? Have I changed? Oh my God, have I put on weight? Right. Like I absolutely know myself well enough to know that would have been where my mind would have wanted to have gone. but because I've also worked on myself and my own self-esteem, but also you had laid that groundwork of, it's never always gonna be like this, and we have to accept it, but enjoy it for what it is, instead of like always mourning what um, the last phase, like really enjoy it. And we have, you know, like you said, we've been together for 19 years, and we've gone through many phases now, and we've always addressed those phases, almost when it's over. I don't know if you've noticed that.
0: I try to be aware of it in real time. I try to really, you know, enjoy it while you have it. Don't take it for granted. Don't get numb to it. And I know it will continue to change. Like, I do think about, will there come a day where I don't feel the sense of urgency around my ambition that I feel now? Mm. Almost certainly. I mean, when you look at just the neurochemistry of it, it's sort of inevitable. When you, when you think about hormones changing, like when you were saying, oh, we couldn't keep our hands off each other. First of all, I want people to know you have to keep your sex life alive forever. 100%. Um, so we're super aware of that. And
1: that's something that we actively talk about
0: for sure. And when we first got together, legitimately, it was distracting. It was like, I couldn't do anything because all I wanted to do was have sex. And that's not sustainable. Like, I actually wouldn't want that in my life now.
1: It's funny how we've come to the same conclusion in different ways. Like for me, because you were always like, I'm never going to be in a sexless marriage. And you pretty much said that from like almost date one.
2: Church,
0: you know my biggest (laughs) fear since I was 14 is being in a loveless marriage. And
1: what's interesting is for me, I had been around women, my mum's friends. Every every adult woman that I'd ever come into contact with when I was younger, you'd hear stories and you'd hear snide comments. And so you would hear, I'd hear like, people in my family making jokes, but it's like, oh, it's his birthday, I guess I gotta give it up. Or it's right. like, well, if he's lucky, and I would hear this growing up. And so I just adopted that, was like, oh yeah, if he's lucky, I'm giving you a gift. It's right. me giving it to you. And I remember when on that first date where you're like, I'm never gonna be in a sexless marriage, I wanna make sure that we're always communicating, I don't know if you said this on the first date, but over time, we said we need to make sure that we're both on the same page about what is satisfactory and what's Mm. satisfying for both of us. Because I want you to feel satisfied. Um, And I wanna be satisfied, but if we're not having that discussion, um, we can never get there. And then also, I really didn't like the way I had been taught to see sex in a couple's relationship. It is not me giving you a gift. It is us both enjoying this moment together, right? Shared experience, like you said. But the mindset that I had been taught about that was that the women have full control, the guys are there to basically be given a gift whenever the woman allows it, and there was some weird control factor that I didn't like. I didn't like that, I didn't like the, Um, I could see women using sex as a weapon. That never sat well with me. And so for me and you, it was always like, babe, what is truly satisfying to you? It doesn't mean that I'm always going to do it. I'm not a puppet or, you know, a rag doll. But like, I need to hear what you really find satisfying because then we can communicate and work through, do we actually, like if it was 10 times a week, okay, can we actually sustain 10 times a week? Right. Do I personally want 10 times a week? Like, but we had to have that conversation without anyone feeling threatened, without either of us feeling like we were needy or asking for something. That always feels weird as well.
0: So Yeah, we always used to say, um, don't make me feel bad for asking and I won't make you feel bad for saying no. Yeah. So it was like, That way, hey, if we're on the same page, then great, but I'm not gonna be like traumatized or huffy and puffy if you're not in the mood, Um, but don't be surprised if I seek more frequency than you do.
1: Right, and then also understanding... Another thing going to when I was brought up, I heard a lot of women say this, was like they would expect flowers. If they didn't give flowers on Valentine's Day or on certain occasions, then they were going to, quote unquote, punish their partner. And for us, the one thing also that was very powerful and still is very powerful that we say to each other, don't test each other. Like if 19 years together, like if you don't know by now how much I freaking love you, I've obviously clearly failed. But if you do, then don't test me. If there's something you want, if there's a way I can make you happy, know that I love you. I just may be blind to it. Um, Talk to me about that and the hard lessons you've learned in that.
0: Oh God, you're going to make me talk about this? (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) This makes my list of like most embarrassing things ever, but sure, here we go. You brought it up, motherfucker. This was a thing that means they don't test each other. So I'm about Christmas lists. So you make a list of the things that you want so that nobody has to guess at what you want and you don't have to fake liking something that you open. I thought, man, people spend money on this shit. Like, don't they want to get you something that you want? So anyway, my family from the time I was a little kid, like, It starts writing to Santa, and we just never stop, so my family's always on Christmas lists. But you're like, no, 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 I don't like to do lists. You didn't say it was crass, but that was basically the vibe. And so you're like, oh, I've been hinting at what I want for Christmas for months now. And I was like, what? And so I'm like, what has she been bringing up? Like, I, oh my God, like I'm racking my brain, I'm trying to think, and I was dirt poor. I want people to remember that when I tell this story. Dirt pour, and I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. What does she say? Like, it's something nice, okay, expensive. What's sort of at the edge of my budget? What might it be? Oh my God, that's right. She mentioned Crest white strips. <laughs> and they were like $60. For me, that was like crazy money. So I was like, fuck, okay, okay. So we were, we didn't even spend Christmas together. So you were in England. The
1: beginning of I'm in Tacoma after
0: weeks of like racking my brain about what you could possibly have been hinting about. And the real answer was a watch.
1: Now at the time <sighs> it was so funny. I love the to story you. so much. It was
0: not funny to me. I was so embarrassed. I but was the, horrified. The
1: reason why I wanted to bring that up though is because that happened so early on, I didn't get what I wanted and now you'd spend money on something that I didn't want. Yeah. And I was like, huh, Maybe we should communicate more about what we really want. And it was you saying that that really changed this, because I definitely used to be the, like, "Well, if he loves me, he'll remember. Yeah, and I get if it. I mean, it's me, he says he loves me." So I made all these justifications in my mind, and then when you
0: time is? out because I want it isn't a justification. What I want people to understand is that's how it works for you. So for you, you simply assume everybody's like you. You don't ah, realize that you have, that that's how you're right, wired. Right, right. And I'm just not wired like that. So like, I can't think of anything more stressful than somebody expecting me to remember what I'm supposed to do, when, in what sequence, what they want, like whatever. Oh my God, like the reason I have an executive assistant is because I can't remember that yeah. shit. I have my talents, I have my strengths, yeah. I know what they are, I lean the fuck into them. But on the other stuff, I, there are just certain things that I have to outsource.
1: You're very right, I am good at that, so right. I just assume you take it for granted right, and there's a few things that were I had to remind myself. does nineteen years not count for anything? I mean obviously it hadn't been nineteen years when we had right. this discussion, but all of that's like if someone has spent years and years really working and showing that that how much they love you, you can't just then think it doesn't count on this one day because they've forgotten right. um, and then also is understanding that where your strengths, like you said, your strengths and your weaknesses are. And I do want to see you succeed. I see in your face how hard it is when you've disappointed me. And because I know you so well, I see how heartbreaking that is for you, that you feel like you've disappointed me. So here I am saying, I don't want to see that look on your face. So if this is really a freaking partnership, which we've committed to, that it is a partnership, I need to help you. And so in that communication, in discovering how you feel, how I feel, where um, we can actually fall down if we don't address it, we have changed the way we do things. We've changed our behavior. I now either put it in your calendar that it's a day for me and you. If something is important to me, which I don't want to deny sometimes, like if it's really important just because you don't agree, it doesn't mean that I just want to swallow it. So if it's important, for instance, that you book dinner, you book a restaurant for me. Oh no, you'll forget. So I've grabbed your phone in the past, put an alarm in your phone that says, book anniversary dinner. Because I want to set you up for success, but it's important that you book it. So those are little tips and tactics for anyone listening or watching at home where we've been able to really reframe the way we think and then act in accordance. Church. There's so much we can talk about. Obviously we've had 19 years of lessons. Um, I think that this has been hopefully very useful for people at home because it definitely has been for me. I love talking about this sort of thing. Um, So thank you, Mr. Bilyeu, for joining us. Where can people find you?
0: At Tom Bilyeu, across all them socials. There
1: it is. And thank you for being my first male guest on Women of Impact. Thank you for
0: having me. It was wonderful.
1: (laughs) Guys, guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Drop in the comments if you found it interesting. If you want to see more of him on the show, um, and if you're not following him, follow him at Tom Billy. if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billy. and guys, if this episode brought you value, please, please do click that subscribe button, and share it with your friends, because we really are trying to impact the world, and guys, until next time, be the hero of your own life, peace out.
2: If you guys like that episode and you want more from Lisa or you just want to dive deeper into the female perspective, I'm telling you right now, go listen to the Women of Impact podcast. It is absolutely phenomenal. She has some of the most amazing guests on and I think Lisa is an extraordinary interviewer. Go check it out. Women of Impact right now available on podcast and YouTube.
0: If you want to finally take control of your health and stop struggling with a lack of focus, feeling sluggish, and just not being your best, then you need to fulfill all the nutritional needs your body has every single day. You can do that easily and simply with AG1. If you're a longtime listener, you might know I've been supporting AG1 for many years. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement. And you guys know me, I do not normally eat supplements. AG1 is basically it. It is a supplement that truly supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. And what I like is that they're basically grounding up real vegetables. It is about as close to eating the real thing as you're going to get. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. AG1 supports your whole body with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients in every serving to support optimal health of your brain, body, and gut. So if you wanna take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Click the link in the show notes or just go to drinkag1.com slash impact. That's drinkag1, the number, .com slash impact. Check it out. What's up, guys? If there's something going on with your body that you just can't quite figure out what it's coming from, I'm gonna bet that the problem has something to do with your gut health. So what can you do to feel better? Everybody's body is different and that's why our sponsor Viome uses an at-home gut intelligence test to analyze your microbiome. Then they provide you with a personalized pre and probiotic formula that can help restore balance to your body. They also recommend what foods you should eat and which ones you shouldn't eat based on your test results. I've had the founder of Viome, Naveen Jain, on the show several times, and he always has incredible updates about the science linking your microbiome to the rest of your health. And as you guys know, with everything that Lisa went through, we know firsthand that your gut health, if you fix that, you're going to solve so many other problems in your life. Go to triviome.com slash impact and use code impact to get 20% off your first three months and free shipping. All right, that's T-R-Y-V-I-O-M-E.com slash impact with the code impact for 20% off your first three months and free shipping.